We welcome all those that are here in the auditorium, and of course, all those watching online. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We invite you to stop in, be our guest. If you're ever in our area, we'd love to have you. It's one thing to experience it online. It's on a whole nother level to be here in person. Please stop by and be our guest. We're so glad that you are here. We're in the middle of a series we are calling Battles. And in this series, we're learning some principles that we realize this, that our life is full of battles, some big, some small. But our life is a series of battles, and how you handle these battles will either elevate you from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and help you grow through each battle, or you'll be stuck in the same place for a long time because life's hard. And if you didn't know that, life is hard. He never promised us that life wouldn't be hard, but he did promise us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He did promise us that he would be with us through every battle, that he would be there. Matter of fact, the Bible says the battle is not ours, but it belongs to God. And so that's the victory that every believer has, that the battle belongs to the Lord. So we're laying down foundation blocks, tools that God has given us to fight our battles. Let's look at these again today. As a reminder, we laid down the first three of worship, the word, and prayer. Three core values. You must know, every believer must know how to pray, must know how to read the word for yourself, and learn to worship. Let me remind you that in the heart of every believer, there comes a time when you got to stand your ground and you got to worship anyways. When life gets hard, when a battle gets tough, you stand your ground and you choose to worship through your tears. You choose to worship in spite of your pain because you know that God is in, ultimately he is in control. And so you choose to put your trust in the Lord. And we lay those three foundations. And we talked about also an attitude of gratitude. And when you operate in an attitude of gratitude, it lifts you above the fray. It lifts you above the chaos and allows you to operate at a different level. And today, I want to talk to you about generosity. That when we live our lives in a generous way, that it sets us up for a blessing. It sets us up to walk in favor with God. And so we're talking about generosity today. Look at this statement. Generosity will unlock the blessing during the battle. Generosity unlocks the blessing during the battle. Have you ever seen somebody and go, man, they're in the middle of one of their toughest battles, but man, they're walking blessed. The reason why is you see this, and we see it even in Scripture, throughout Scripture, that even in times of famine, even in times of captivity, even in times of struggle, that God's people were always advancing, always being promoted, always being blessed. But those who stayed true and kept their roots firm and had a spirit of putting God first in their life, and then it allowed them to walk in a blessing that when other people were, were not, they were. And the only secret was this, they stayed true and kept their roots planted firmly in a generous heart to the Lord. Now, we're gonna read out of Malachi. But before we do that, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And there's a, some verses, chapter three is a, is a chapter that's been used a lot when it comes to teaching of giving. But let me just remind you that when you read the very second verse of the first chapter of Malachi, it says that God says this, God wants you to know I have always loved you. 
I have always loved you. Now, you may think Whitney Houston made that song famous. Come on now, some of you are already singing. And oh, come on, you're already getting it there. You're belting it now in your mind already. Yeah, but God said it first. God said, I have always loved you. I have always loved you. And as he sets up this book, he wants us to know. The children of Israel had slowly begun to stop doing the things that they were commanded to do. And they were not being blessed the way God wanted to bless them. And so he, he began to speak to them and says, I have always loved you. And I want to position you back for a way that I can bless you beyond what you could ever dream or imagine. I want to bless you beyond where you're at right now, but there's some things you got to change in your life. And he lays it out. Let's read part of this in Malachi 3, 10 through 12. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. If you want to know what the word tithes means, it means 10%. So bring 10% of your, your income into the storehouse. There will be enough, for there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. He goes, try me and put me to the test. Then he says, your crops will be in abundance, for I will guard them from the insects and disease, your grapes will not fail or will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed. What an awesome testimony. All the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. So we see something happening here where God's trying to do something with his children. Now, you may be here today and say, great, I came to a service where the pastor is going to talk about giving. Just my luck. Well, let me tell you, you're in the right spot today because God had you here because he's trying to set you up for a blessing in your life. And I want to tell you that many times I know me as a pastor and I know other pastors who have the same mindset that we often, we often don't talk about giving because we don't want people to buy into the stereotype that the church is just after my money. If that's your mindset, then you've got a wrong mentality of church, especially a destiny church. We will never pressure you. We will never try to make you feel guilty. And in this message today, I will not try to make you feel guilty for not giving. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. I want you to respond out of a heart of love, out of a heart of saying, God, what I have belongs to you. And as I do that, God's trying to position me for a blessing. How many want to be blessed? So if I can teach you how to operate at a higher level of blessing, and I don't teach you that, then I'm cheating you as your pastor. So I must open this up. Now, I haven't done this in, in several years. I haven't done this. It's way overdue. But today I want to operate because I believe if we will learn to tap in to a generous heart, it will elevate it. Some of you are struggling in your finances, having battle in your finances week after week after week. And you can live at a higher level, you can live at a different level, but I want you to know today it comes at a price of trusting God, that I've got to learn to be generous. Let's be clear. I want to be very, very clear. God doesn't need us, we need him. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money then why is he asking me? Because he's trying to position you into a place where he can bless you. He's trying to position you into a place where he can do even more. 
I can tell you as a parent of five children and now five young adults that I want to do for my children. I want to bless my kids. But there's times I have to say, are you doing what you need to do? Are you working? Are you saving? Are you grateful for what you have? Are you generous with your time? And as they understand this, the more they become generous, the more dad becomes generous. The more dad can do for them. But otherwise, if I don't, I'm not going to bless them and spoil them to the point where they don't know how to work and they think life's all about what I can get. No, life is not about what all I can get. It's about, God, what can I get from you to give away? God, how can I be a blessing to the kingdom? How can I bless others? Me and a friend had this conversation shortly ago, and we were talking. He says, Pastor, how, 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 do, I, how do I not feel guilty about, you know, I, I pay my tithes, but how do I feel guilty? There's so many kids who, who are hungry, and how do I feel guilty about being promoted and, and having, having more than enough? And I, said, I asked him a question. I said, does your money have you, or do you, do you own your money? I said, I said, I can tell you this. I've seen your life, and I know that when God speaks to you, you always give. When God tells you to, you always give. And that's the difference. It's not about how much you have. It's about does it belong to God or belong to you? If God spoke to you and asked you to give it away, would you do it? Would God, if, if God said, I want you to give more than your 10%, would you do it? If the answer is no, then the question is answered. Does your money have you or does, do you have your money? Does God have your money? Does God have your things? See, generosity is more than just money. It's your time. It's your talent. It's your treasure. And today, God wants to position us. He's trying to position us so that he can bless us. Generosity is not what God wants from you, but what God wants for you. Are you, are you seeing that? Generosity is not what God wants from you. It's what God wants for you. If he can get you operating in a generous heart, in a generous spirit, then he can bless you even more. If God can get it through me, he will get it to me. Are you following that? If God can get it through me, he can get it to me. God, what I have belongs to you. God, if you ask me to do more, I will. God, I will do. God, it belongs. everything I have belongs to God. It's the difference between being a manager and an owner. Do I own everything or does God own everything? See, a mature believer takes the mindset that, God, you own everything in my life. Therefore, it's no big deal. Because if I lose it, you can give me something more. If I give it away because you asked me to, then you're gonna, that means you're going to bless me with something even better. And so it becomes a mentality. But if I'm always hanging on to everything so tight, I can't ever have enough. I always want to give just a little bit. I just give a little bit here and there as I can. I can't keep my head above water. You'll never walk into the fullness of the blessing that God wants to set up his children to walk in. And we see it here very true. Number one, write this down. You've got to receive God's generosity. You've got to receive God's generosity in your life. One time we sent one of our, our boys to camp, the first time going to camp, and their mom had made their suitcase for them, very organized. She bought them a brand new outfit to wear every day, had it packed away, and every outfit was wrapped together. Any, any organized moms out there know what I'm talking about? Okay, on Monday you wear this, Tuesday, Thursday, I get all, and here's an extra outfit in case something goes wrong. And when he got home, we opened up the suitcase, 
and almost all those outfits were there untouched. He was living his best life, wearing the same pair of underwear all week, yeah. Woo, yeah. I don't think the soap had been opened. You know, and for many of us, it's kind of the same way. We live our life. God, God's got so much more he wants us to unpack in our life. He's got so much more he wants to unpack and bless us with. But for many of us, we're, we've gotten settled with wearing the same thing day after day. The same status quo. And I wonder why my life stinks right now. I wonder why my finances stink right now. Could it be that you haven't unpacked the blessing that God's got for you? There's a blessing for those who live in a generous spirit. For those who have a generous heart, God is trying to set you up for blessing. There's so much more. But we have to be willing to open it up. We've got to be willing to receive what he's given to us and to give it back. We just read this in, in Malachi 3, 10, and 12. And it gives us these, these statements that God says, I will do this. Let's look at that. God says, I will open the windows of abundance. He says, you give me back my 10%. Look what he says. I will open the windows of heaven. He will give us an abundance. He goes, I'll pour out a blessing. That's provision. I will give you provision. He goes, I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops. That's protection. He'll protect you. What happens if I lose my job? Well, you're going to get a better job. God's going to protect you. Others get laid off. God can protect you. Prevent the vine from premature delivery. That means at the right time. Some of you can't receive a blessing because you're not ready for a blessing. But God can drop it to you at the exact time you need it when you're ready. He preserves it for you. All nations will call you blessed. It's called preference. Well, that doesn't sound fair. Let me tell you, Jesus never said that he was fair. Do you know that? Jesus never said he was fair. Matter of fact, one time he told a story about a man who had a, he was a worker and he needed to hire some people to get some work done. So he said, all right, I'll pay you this much money. Come and help me work the fields. We've got to get this done today. And as they're working about halfway through noon, he realized we're behind the pace. We're not going to get done. So he went out and found some more workers, brought them in and said, I'll pay you this much if you'll come in and help us work. And as it was getting late in the day, he did the same thing, brought in some more people. And when they got done, he paid everybody the same amount. And they said, well, that's not fair. Us that worked all day long made as much as the people who worked only a half a day. And Jesus says, what's it to you? Did I not pay you what I promised you? So he's going to keep his promise. He's going to give it to you. But he goes, if I choose to hire this person because I need him at this price, what's it to you? I paid you what I told you I would pay you. And what I want to tell you is this, that you can walk as highly favored of the Lord. You can walk in a place of blessing, and it doesn't have to seem fair because you can walk in a spirit of generosity. God, I will work for you. God, everything I have belongs to you. If God chooses to bless you above and beyond other people around you because you're walking highly favored, that's because you're doing the right thing. It's not about being fair. It's about favor. God wants you to walk in favor. Many people have been in a battle, a battle for provision in your life. How do we fight this battle? We become generous. Remember, it's about being generous. It's not about what God wants from me. It's about what he wants to do for me. He's trying to set me up. Number two, we've got to release God's generosity. We receive it from him, 
Everything belongs from the, I got comes from the Lord. He's the owner. I'm the manager. And then I got to release it. I got to release it back into my local church. I release it back into people's lives. I release it back. My time, my talent, my treasure. Uh, I seen a, a story about an insurance claim of a guy who decided he, he was bricking the top of a five-story building. And he decided that he was working by himself when he got done with the job. He had to get these bricks off of the building back down. And so at the same time, he decided he was going to use a pulley that he had up there. So he had the barrel loaded up in a pulley. He loaded up his bricks, went down to the ground, and he unlocked the pulley. And without thinking about doing the math, he thought the pulley would, you know, equal everything out. But what he didn't realize, his 150-pound body was no match for the 600 pounds of bricks. And as they hung on to that rope, all of a sudden he was shot up straight up in the air, back up to the top of that pulley. And somewhere around story two and a half, three stories, he hit that barrel coming this way. Yeah, dislocated his shoulder, scratched up the side of his body. And when he got to the top, his thumbs, both thumbs went right into the top of the pulley, breaking both thumbs. That's how I broke my thumbs. And then when the bricks hit the ground, the bottom of the barrel broke and the bricks dispersed. And all of a sudden, they didn't weigh 600 pounds. And all of a sudden, he was heavier. Now all of a sudden, he drops back down to the ground. The barrel comes back up, hits his other side, hurting his other side. He hits the ground, breaking his back and vertebrae and as he let go of the rope he realized that was a mistake because laying there on the ground in so much pain the barrel came back down crashing back toward him and they said to him well what would you have done different and he said I would have let go of the rope <laughs> he would have let go of the rope a lot sooner and I think for many of us here we're hanging on to the rope so tightly we're hanging on to it and you need to let it go and give it to the Lord God I'm trying to control my finances I'm trying to control my life and it's just a battle from week to week and I'm telling you if you'll let go of the rope and say God everything I have belongs to you God I want you to be in control of my life I want you to be in control of my time my talent my treasure God it all belongs to you anyway as I do that that takes the pressure off me and puts it right back into a big God's hand who's waiting for it all along. He wants to have all, if you don't know this, he wants to have all of our heart. He wants to have, listen to me, you got to understand that God is not after a tenth of your life. He wants all of us. He doesn't just want a tenth of our life. He wants all of our life. You can look and you'll find it all through Scripture. God wants all of my heart. He wants me to love him with all of my mind, all of my strength, all of my heart. He wants all of my spirit. He wants all of me. He wants all of me. He expects it. He wants it. It's not just 10%. He says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There's a reason why he's asking us to give 10% is the reason why. Because he's wanting us to make sure that our heart remembers where our sources come from. My heart is surrendered to him. 
I don't know if I can do that. I can tell you, you really can't afford not to. Because you can do more with 90% that God blesses than you can 100% on your own. You can, listen, you can't do the math. It doesn't add up. But I'm telling you, when you trust the Lord, I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have practiced this principle and said, Pastor, it works, it works, it works. I'm telling you, if I could stand up here and guarantee you a money-back guarantee, I would. I can't do that because I'm a nonprofit and it's not legal. But if I could, I would, I would give you a money-back guarantee that you paid tithes for 30 days or three months, and if your life is not getting better, that you come back and talk to me. I'm telling you, God, put God to the test. God will do it. See, our resources is out of whack. Look, look at this graph. The problem is this, is that we see our resources limited to us. This is all I have. This is all I got. This is all I can do. And you're right, we are limited. I've only got so much, right? But somehow, I'm able to play Netflix. <laughs> Just saying. Somehow, I'm still able to get away and go on vacation somewhere. Somehow, I still manage to go out to eat a few times. I mean, it's amazing how we're so tight, but we can still work things out when we really want to. Just saying. But I'm limited. And so I've only got so much I can give to God. See, when I get to my local church, the Bible says when we give to our local church, it's like giving to God himself. And let me tell you this, you need to give to your local church. There's nothing wrong with supporting other ministries, but that should become above of your tithe. Okay, let me do a little preaching this morning. I, I, I've been watching this guy online, and, and I've been watching this guy out of so-and-so, and, -so and he, he blesses me. So I've been paying my tithes online to this church. That's fine, but that guy ain't going to be there when your marriage falls apart. You need somebody to pray with you. He ain't going to be there to do your funeral. He ain't going to be there to, to marry you when you need to be married. I'm telling you, you need to. God has designed that you pay. If this is not your church, you need to be paying your tithes to your local church. And then above and beyond, if God calls you to do something, ask you, then do it. Bless other ministries. Do it above and beyond. But your local tithe, your tithe should always go to your local church. So I'm limited, so I only give what I can here and there to my local church, and then what the gives to the local church is given out to the community, it's given out to national and global ministries, but it becomes strained. But if I see the opposite, the right, if I see that God, you're unlimited in your resources, and so what you give to me, I gladly give it back to you through my local church because I know the more I give, the more you're going to give back. The more I give, the more you're going to bless me back. The more I give, and as I get in that mentality, the church is operating more. We're giving away more. You're being blessed more. You're walking favored. You're walking blessed. We're becoming a more blessing. And the pressure is not on me. The pressure is on God. And he said, that's exactly where I want it to be. Because he says, you can test me in this area. Now, how many like Skittles? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand if you like Skittles. How many know one of the greatest things about having kids is you can eat your candy, right? I miss, I miss having kids. I told my wife the other day, I want to go, I want to go borrow someone's kid and take them to the circus. I wanted to go to the circus down the street. But... 
One of the great things about having kids is you can take their candy when they're not looking. Or even when they are looking, you can take it. I remember one time I was in the store and when Preston was a kid. Now, you guys know Preston as our creative and media leader here at the church. That's an awesome job. Give him a big hand. But this cute little kid was going through the store with Dad, and he said, Dad, I, I want some Skittles. So I got him some Skittles. As he opened them up and started eating them, his, water, you know, his mouth was watering. He got Skittle juice going down. His, and I was like, man, that looks really good. So I was like, son, let, let Dad have some of your Skittles. And you know what this little, sweet, innocent boy said to his dad? No! These are my Skittles. These, these are mine. My Skittles, Dad. These are my Skittles, Dad. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. These are my Skittles. And I thought to myself, you know what? This kid has no idea who's asking for his Skittles. Because if I really wanted to, I'm powerful enough, I could take my size 13 shoe, put it in his chest, and pile these Skittles right out of his hands and arms. And say, no, you're gonna have that attitude, dad's gonna take them all. I could overpower him, I'm bigger than him. I could take it all if I wanted to. Does he not know who he's messing with? But more importantly, what he didn't really get was this. It's not that I could take his Skittles, but if I really, if he ran out, if I wanted to eat the whole thing and he ran out, do you think dad's going to sit there and eat all his Skittles and not give him more? If I wanted to, I could walk right back in the middle of that store and I could grab the biggest bag of Skittles he had ever seen. I could walk back in. I could make it rain Skittles for days with that kid. I could be raining Skittles in his room, in his bed, in his bathroom, in the kitchen. I could make it rain Skittles. I could be the Skittle daddy all day long. He'd have Skittles until he was sick if I really wanted to. I could go and I could buy bags and bags and bags of Skittles and make it rain every day of his life Skittles if I wanted to. And he's all worried about a couple of Skittles. When his dad can supply all the Skittles he ever wanted in his life? Are you getting the example this morning? Many of us here, we're, we're worried about our Skittles. God, you've asked me for 10%. I don't know if I can let it go. What am I, how am I going to pay this? What am I going to do? There's not enough. It's mine. It's mine. God, it's mine. I worked hard for this. God, it's mine. And what you don't understand is you're God is unlimited on resources. And he says, I want to bless you. I want to preserve you. I want people to call you blessed. I want to pour out more. I want to give you more. I want to bless you more. When you give it to the Lord, he gives it back. It's the different of a mindset. And he says in Malachi 3.10, let's read it one more time at the very end of this. We just read it. What's the last thing he said in this verse? Put me to the test. Now, look in the Bible, and everywhere else we're told to do the exact opposite. We are not allowed. We are not to ever put God to the test. Remember when Satan was tempting Jesus after his 40 days of fasting? Jesus, if you be the Son of God, why don't you just jump off here and let the angels come and catch you? 
And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You are not to tempt the Lord your God. We're, we're never to put God, we never say, God, if you really love me, then you do this. Or God, if you're really God, then you do this. We're never to put God to the test. Except one area, he said, you are allowed to do this. He said, put me to the test. When it comes to being generous, when it comes to our tithe, he said, do it and see if I will not bless you. Let me say it in today's English. He is double dog, triple dog daring you to put him to the test. Just try it. He said, just try it and see. Just try it and see if I won't bless you. He's wanting you to test him. Generosity becomes more than just about our money. It becomes about our things. Am I generous with my time? Am I generous with my talents? I've had people be like, Pastor, man, you want us to serve in the kids' ministry? Do you know I teach kids all week long? And the last thing I want to do is come and teach kids on Sunday. So I'm like, so what you're telling me is you've got a degree and you are skilled in teaching kids. And you'll do it all week, but you can't do it for God on Sunday. That's just one example. Are you following what I'm saying? Our talents should belong to the Lord. Our skills belong to the Lord. One of our security people back in the back, Cody, I, I love it. Because you know why? He's an electrician. And this is an old building. We always have something going wrong. I'm like, hey, Cody, man. Sure, pastor. I'll stop by. He, he's always here working, doing things that I could never do because I would blow things up and cause a fire. <laughs> he doesn't say, pastor, man, I, I do that all day long. I don't want to come in. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You just, you just go too bad. Church, too bad. And I offer, like, we'll, we'll pay you. No, not to, we, I just want to do it. I just want to do it. Why? Because he's got a generous heart. His talents belong to the Lord. Do, do your talents belong to the Lord? Do your talents belong to God? See, God expects us. Let me, let me say this to you. God expects us to work. Do you know that? I'm going to say something right now that's really going to make some people mad, but it, it won't be the first time. So turn to your neighbor and say, he does this all the time. Just be ready. I know that we're in a season because of the pandemic when you can make, some people can make more money not working than they can working because the government's paying out a lot of money. But let me tell you, the world's math is not God's math. And God said, if you can work, you better work. If you can find a job, you better find a job. Now, if you are unable to work for physical reasons, if you're unable to work because something has happened traumatic in your life, we understand that. And that's why the system is there, to help those people. But listen, if you're able to work, get off your tail and get a job and do it unto the Lord. And this is why it's important, okay? This is why it's important. Because of this, do you realize all those people, everywhere I go, there's a sign taped in the window can't find work, sorry, we're closing early. Sorry, we're running slow. Can't find work, can't find workers. Can't, everywhere, we all know this to be true. There's a, there's a worker shortage right now across America. 
But I'm telling you, the people who are showing up working right now, they're the ones who are being elevated to managers. They're the ones who are being elevated to supervisors. They're the ones who are getting the raises because when nobody else wanted the work, they're showing up and working. And when this money runs out and you're going to go back and get a job, you're going to be working for somebody who's less qualified than you, who's been there shorter than you because they showed up and worked. See, God's math is not our math. When I do my job unto the Lord, God, I'm going to take this job. I'm going to work it. God, you will multiply it. God's math is not our math. Someone give me a big amen. We need to hear that, all right? Listen, in most churches, we have three types of givers. Every, almost every church in America, you'll find three types of givers. You find the spontaneous giver. This is the person who maybe is just coming in. Maybe they're new to the faith. Maybe they're new to the church. And they, whatever they have, when they have a little extra, they'll, they'll give it. Or maybe there's a big offering for like the one-day offering we did for Convoy of Hope. They get a part of that. Or maybe we're helping send kids to camp and they give that offering. They're kind of spontaneous givers. And we, we thank God for those givers. We thank God for those givers. Then we have people who've learned to be generous givers. These people have learned that a percentage of what they have, I, I got to give to the Lord. And they do it every week. They do it every month. They understand that this is where I live. My, my heart's in a generous place. I want to be generous to the Lord. and They're learning to operate in a place of blessing. And then there's those who have also who've grown, and all of a sudden they become this sacrificial giver. And they've learned to give even above and beyond. It's just not 10%, but God, whatever you ask, and I want to give. And they realize that I can give more. It's not all about 10%. I can give even more if God asks me. I know people who have given they say, you know what, Pastor, I wanted my business to be at a certain point, and so I began to tie double because I needed my business to double. And I did that, and the next year, I made exactly what I tied the year before. I'm telling you, if God speaks to you to do that, God can do it. So where are you at today? I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. I'm not here to pressure anybody. You, you won't find that here at our church. I promise you. I will pressure you when it comes time to feed kids, and I'll never apologize. I'll never apologize for feeding hungry kids who are starving and dying. I had somebody send me a note after our one day and said, I can't believe you asked people to raise their hand who are going to participate. And I sent back a note and said, you know what? I never, ever pressure, and I'll never apologize for raising money for kids who are starving and dying. Come on. But when it comes to our offering, this is between you and God. I'm just trying to set you up for blessing. I'm trying to set you up to win the battle, okay? But I'm praying, where are you, where are you at in the, on this? And maybe if you're here, you'll begin to pray, God, help me to take a step this year. Help me to take a step where I can become a generous giver. Help me to become a generous giver who consistently gives of my tithe, my first fruits. See, the reason God was mad was they, they were bringing offerings, the crops, but they were, they were kind of taking the crops after they all were there. They would take the ones that were not that good, like the ones they were going to throw away or give away for free. They were taking those crops and they were bringing them to the temple so it made them look like they were giving God something. And God was mad because he said, I didn't ask you to do that. I asked you to give me your first, your best. It takes faith to do that. What if this is the best I get and what if nothing else comes in better? It takes faith. And God says, I'm trying to set you back up. I have always loved you. I want to bless you. 
And so begin to pray. Maybe you are already a generous giver. Uh, just pray, God, do you want me to move into a, spont- to, to a place where I'm just giving totally, I love this, sacrificially. Where I'm sacrificing, and sometimes I'm looking for ways to be even a bigger blessing. I'm looking for things to do that can even go more. Just begin to pray about it. God, what level am I at, and are you asking me to, to take a step of faith? Where's my faith? Is my faith in a few, few skittles? Or is my faith in what God can do? Wow. I want to close with this story. You know, in a world that's, our society's full of hoarders. We want to hoard toilet paper. We want to hoard gasoline. How about we become a church who's known for giving and have a generous heart? I believe God's pleased when we have a generous heart and people look at us as a church who wants to give it away. We want to be a church that gives away more and more. You know, I made a comment a year and a half ago. I took our first one-day offering to Convoy Hope and I was driving up $20,000 to give to them. This year, we did it again, and I drove up a check for over $25,000. I was reminded on my way to take that check the first, the first time. On my way there, I told God, I said, God, I can't wait until I'm taking a $100,000 check and give it to Convoy of Hope. I can't wait until we're taking a $100,000 check from Destiny Church. I believe it's going to happen. Why? Because I, I want to be a generous church. I want to be generous. I'm going to close with this story. Early on in our marriage, when we first started our family and we bought our first house, I remember we were finally able to buy a decent car and we had bought an SUV. I was proud of it. We had four-wheel drive. I graduated from that old minivan to the cool dad car, the SUV, yeah. Any dads understand what I'm talking about? Say amen. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. So I, I, was, I was driving that, and we had gotten a really bad snow that year, and someone out of my four-wheel drive, and I was helping pull people out of the ditch. I was so happy to do it and loving it. And while I was pulling people out of the ditch, I stripped my transmission out in our new car. And I was so upset. Like, God, I was out there trying to help people, and my transmission goes out of my car. I was getting mad, and took it into the shop. It was going to be, be over $2,000 to change it. And we just didn't have it. We just didn't have it at the time. And I was sitting in a service that morning. And I'm like, God, what, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to get? I don't want to try to borrow the money. I don't want to be in any more debt. I don't want to owe anybody anything. What, what am I going to do? And he spoke to my heart that morning, very clear. He said, Gene, Look at your seed, not your need. I remember he spoke to me very clearly. He said, look at your seed, not your need. So I looked at my wife and said, honey, we started talking. We, we had about $350, $400 in the bank at that time. That's all we had. I said, I think God wants to give it all today. She said, well, if that's what you believe, I believe it too. Let's do it. Wrote out a check for everything we could. Maybe left like just a couple of dollars in our account. Just so the account wouldn't close. 
Gave it all in the offering. After church, a man walked up to me that morning and says, hey, uh, God told me during church today to have you bring your car into my shop and I'm, I'm supposed to fix your transmission for free. I'm telling you, you can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff. That's how God, God works. Out of our obedience, I, I heard him speak it. We did it in faith. And it happened that same day. Time after time after time and time again, I've tried it and it's worked. God's asked me to give. I give it away. He gives it back even more. I remember one time this girl came to me and said, hey, Pastor Gene, I wasn't even, a, I was a youth pastor. She said, I got this car. I'm, I'm leaving back to go to California. God told me to give you my car. I was like, yeah, yeah. Had that car for one day. And a man I had led to Jesus came to me. Led this man to Jesus. This is back. Now, this is back in the mid-90s. This man was suffering with AIDS. And I led him to Jesus. He had his own business. He was driving a really nice, fancy car. His family all. He came to my office crying. Said, he said, Pastor Gene, he goes, I, I had to file bankruptcy. They come and got everything. They took everything we had today. They came to our house. I'm too prideful to tell you. And I've been so far behind. I had to, I had to file bankruptcy. They come and took everything. He goes, we don't even have a car. Guess what I did? I said, well, this is what? God, God loves you enough today. I just got a car and it's yours today. Signed the title over and gave it to him. Why? Because if God can get it to me, he can get it through me. Can, can you do that? I said, I'd have been tempted. I could have sold that car and paid off some debt. And it really helped out. God was trying to do something through me. We, just keep your eyes open. God wants to just to be generous. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. As you bow your heads today, I want you just to do your own heart search today. God, am I a generous person? Do I have my things or do my things have me? Have I learned to surrender my life fully to you or am I still trying to control everything? Only you can answer that question. But I can tell you this, until you learn to give up control of your life to Jesus, you'll never walk in the fullness of the full blessing he has for you. He's on a pursuit for all of our heart. And I'm praying today that God will make us more generous.